0: All right, buddy. Good morning. Good morning. So my name is Brennan. I think y'all know me, at least by face. So I was—I've uh, been gone for two weeks and uh, visiting my grandmother up in uh, up near Seattle, actually a couple hours west of Seattle. And so I got my dose of rain, and I <laughs> actually—I grew up. In elementary school, I, I was born in California, spent my elementary years in a uh, little, uh, go, uh, like I say, go to Seattle and follow the rain. That's where I grew up, um, at least in my elementary years. So I got to go back and spent some days in Seattle. And then I got to go drive out and see my mother and my sister and my grandmother, and I, was there, I was, uh, went out there with my aunt. It was actually a really good visit, and this actually has nothing to do with the sermon. I just want to talk. Um, but it was an interesting time for me, partly because uh, right before, I had right, just made the decision to go up there, and then and, uh, uh, Randy uh, asked me to preach today. Uh, I'd, I'd kind of put my head down, thinking I didn't want to preach at all in this, this series because I was getting so much out of it, and I got five kids. And, you know, aged, you know 18 months to 10 years, that keeps me pretty busy and, and I think is contributing to some hair damage. Um, in my head, um, so I went up there, and um, and Lent was coming up, and I was thinking, you know, I got to do all this stuff, and I wanted to double down, and I just haven't, you know, time is tricky, time is tricky in my in my life right now. So, I spent some time. I had intended to do Lexio Divina, but I don't like writing. Journaling has always been a trouble for me, uh, but I do meditating really well. So I've I'm halfway there, but my, my Lent goal. Um, as well as God is going to let me get there, is to really practice. Um, uh, at least, it's ended up it being more meditation than not. But this is really, this sermon kind of came out from that practice of thinking about the passage I'm going to talk about, which is um, Jesus meeting with this uh, with this man in the par- uh, with the paralyzed hand and does a healing on the Sabbath, which really doesn't go well uh, um, for the Pharisees and the Herodians. I mean, it's kind of a very interesting passage. It was one where I looked at it and just, Went, whoa, that's kind of interesting. And then it didn't. It made made itself more interesting as I was going on. So, back to my story. Went to uh, was up on my visit my mom visit my grandma, and uh, she's not doing well. Um, she's 90 years old. I think you're allowed to not do well when you're 90 years old, almost 91. But I got to talk real estate with my aunt uh, as she's looking to buy her place in SoCal. And help facilitate a move, and just encourage my mom and her sisters to just kind of help along that process so I' really got to spend two weeks just as an encourager, which is not my natural uh, uh disposition. I can be kind of a uh engineer type, kind of logical and somewhat skeptical sometimes um, but I really just got to kind of like love on people, and it was kind of a nice trip for me uh very restful in that in that uh side and so I got to encourage my sister who's trying to start up a this tea house and, and her business and 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 just kind of, you know, just be there. So on, I came back on, was it last week, Tuesday? I think I'm still shaking off the, the minor amounts of jet lag I had. Um, so this week I was preparing on this message and I just kind of went through and we're just going to kind of Reread the passage here in a second, and I just want to pull out some thoughts I had. Not of them all are good thoughts. They're just the first thoughts that came in my head, and then I'll try to organize them into some more useful thoughts, hopefully. Um, so, uh, so this passage is out of Matthew. The, well, it's the, the one that I mostly read until I got the, uh, the, the harmonized version uh, and found it on a Kindle. Um, I was reading it out of Matthew. Matthew. Um, So let's just, I'm going to first just read this out for y'all. On another Sabbath, this is Jesus, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. A man was there whose right hand was paralyzed. The scribes and Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a charge against him. But he knew their thoughts and told the man with the paralyzed hand, get up and stand here. And so he got up and stood there. But he said to them, What man among you, if he had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take a hold of it and lift it out? A man is worth far more than a sheep. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? But they were silent. After looking around at them with anger and sorrow at the hardness of their hearts, he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Immediately the Pharisees went out, filled with rage, and started plotting with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. So that's the, uh, that's the text that I was reading. Um, I don't know if any of you all, did you, any of you all do the Alexio or, or meditate on this particular passage? I take that re- as a resounding yes. <laughs> so you're going to have some great ideas. So what sticks out uh, uh, to you uh, from this? I mean, what's something that, that, I'll go into my list of dumb ideas, but well, maybe some of them are good. Um, does anything stick out? Um, yeah. Well, I think Jesus um, took things out of your thoughts, and he just, it here, let's lay it out here, let's have that discussion. Yeah, he's really good at that. yeah that stuck out to me too the 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 scribes or the Pharisees these guys you know, the religious figures he was dealing with um they didn't bother engaging with him i think in, in other times when he's gotten bas uh, uh spoken with them, you know he'll have a dialogue and and there's some advancement of the kingdom in the thought process that opportunity is there, and it kind of got shut down here. That was something i'll uh i I remembered as well so I had, I think, about 15 of these thoughts that I just kind of scrawled down on pen last night, about 10 o'clock at night. I do my best work. Um, so one, one thing I, I thought yeah, from this, from this, uh, this um, passage itself, I, what's interesting to me—two conversations at once here. Slow down. Um, Jesus, a lot of times he taught in parables, right? It was one of his favorite vehicles for teaching people about how God's uh, uh, life is supposed to be and how we're supposed to enter into that, right? And he lived his life as a parable a lot of times. So like when, he, when he's approaching Jerusalem and he sees this tree and he, you know, uh, curses the tree and it dies, right? If you, look at that, if you look at that scene from a parable, it kind of says something about what God's doing there. Um, but this scene here, this, I was looking at this, I was like, this is more like a Shakespeare you know you got you got all these characters, and you have details and thoughts and engagement and a clash of different people and so I was just kind of thinking about more not from the parabolic sort of approach, but just kind of looking at this more from like i would if I was looking at like uh, Shakespeare or something, and so we have you know we have the the Pharisees and these guys the Herodians they didn 't really like each other um, they 're kind of like frenemies um, to use a Corporate lingo from today. They didn't like each other, but they had joined forces. They didn't like Jesus more, right? Than they disliked each other. The Herodians were these guys who liked the, the Herod lineage um, and that sort of kingship, I guess, or the, I don't know if it was a vassal kingship. I'm not that good on the history of, of it, but they had it in good with Rome um, and sort of the, the, the forces. And they were happy with that relationship. And the Pharisees, and uh, really wanted a theocracy to return. They wanted, through their, their engagement with this sort of, you know, their spiritual practices and point of part, they wanted to, you know, usher in, you know, uh, a, a new life as Israel, as, as, as independency. So you have both of these really opposing views kind of jump on Jesus in, in, this, uh, uh, in this passage. Um, so I wrote down... The battle lines are drawn, and the infantry clashes. I think we really see that. We see Jesus starting off where he's ministering to people, and we really start seeing the uh, the power of what the enemy wants, and I think maybe just where these people's hearts were and their hardness starting to actually sort of clash with Jesus, and we see sort of see that engagement a little bit. Um, And I wrote down: Jesus gets angry. What's he so upset about? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, sometimes anger is a difficult one to uh, diagnose. I sometimes joke anger is my, my favorite emotion. Um, because I like, I like adrenaline. I'm a, kind of an adrenaline junkie. And so if, if, if you like that the ener- the energy, um, it's, it can have sort of a, a blinding quality if you're not careful with it. But it's uh, something I try to teach my kids to understand what their emotions are. It's a kind of a compass in your life it tells you something not necessarily enough to understand what to do with it and so we'll go into that in a little bit another one i wrote down was just injustice i think there's a bit of injustice here there's injustice from a couple different perspectives anyone does anyone see that in here um no i'll, I'll return to that in a minute um but uh, uh well, i'll return it to now um uh, the, the character I most identified with is actually the guy with the paralyzed hand. Not necessarily because he's paralyzed, but because he's kind of stood up on a stage, and he's just kind of a pawn in this, in this whole thing, in, in some way, right? And I go, man, that's kind of a bummer. I kind of felt like that a couple of times in my life. You know, people are asking you things. You're just like, I've just got a paralyzed hand. I just tried to say yes. And something big is happening. Um, and... But really, the, the, the heart that Jesus, he's time and time again um, pushed for God and the restoration of God with the people of Israel. He wanted Jerusalem to turn, and the Israelites, to turn their hearts toward God. That was his calling, right? And he is seeing what God's work is being done, is being frustrated by the, by the leaders um, and and there's certainly a bit of an injustice in that, certainly for that guy standing there, but also for you know, you know, the people who are going to follow you know, with that, you know, all the other people. He was teaching. You know, he's trying to express God's work. Um, let's see here. Um, I wrote down, well, I mentioned the scene and that Jesus is, uh, the, there's a little bit of uh, debate. But what's all this, um, this comes up in this passage. I think I saw it for next week. But the Sabbath comes up, and Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. And this is a big sticking point. I don't know why. This, does anyone have any ideas on why the the Sabbath and what he's you know he's teaching is he's going to heal on the on the Sabbath? He's going to. It's against someone's law, right? Yeah, it's it's against the Jewish law. I mean, it, the the Sabbath. Well, maybe, maybe I'll, I'm kind of going off the rails here, but I'll mention something about the Sabbath, but. In, you know, it's one of the 12, uh, Ten Commandments. Just adding commandments there uh, In the part of Exodus, you know, Jesus, uh, Moses has given out the, the law. And you're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy. Um, now, and then later on, a couple chapters later, um, again, God's giving his word to Moses. He says, you're to keep the law holy. I actually wrote it down by my phone. I'll just read it to you. I'll I'll come back to this again later. Let's see, not this one. This is in Exodus 31. The Lord said to Moses, "'Tell the Israelites, "'Surely you must keep my Sabbaths, "'for it is is a sign between me and you "'throughout your generations "'that you may know that I am the Lord "'who sanctifies you. "'So you must keep the Sabbath, "'for it is holy uh, for you. "'Everyone who defiles it "'must surely be put to death. "'Indeed, if anyone does any work on it, then that person will be cut off from among his people. Six days' work may be done, but on the seventh day a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Anyone who does work on the Sabbath day must surely be put to death. The Israelites must keep the Sabbath by observing the Sabbath throughout the generations as a perpetual covenant. Now what happens next is Moses finds this uh, golden calf that they've decided to worship. Um, so we can see that um obedience hasn't always been the strong point for the Israelites. But repentance was. I mean it always has been. I mean that's kind of the kind of the Jewish uh religion is built on repentance, I think, in, in many ways. I mean, in mod of our, our, our heritage, uh spiritual heritage something we share. Um, we can say yeah. yes legalism is a big thing and and i um let me see here i'll mention three things i'm going to actually come back to that um because i almost want to finish my first thoughts and i'll get to my better thoughts or, or my more 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 thought out thoughts no, i don't know if they're better but we'll find out um i also wrote um what's this with the people what's with these people you know they're looking to contend him, condemn him because he's healing you know there's this kind of a heart issue um and have you ever tried to talk to someone who's so set in their ways that's nearly impossible? I think it happens as we age. So give me a couple more years, and you can try to talk to me. Um, but, I mean, that's a big issue, right? The hardening of the heart. I mean, that is, that's is—that's a challenge. And it's a challenge, I think, as I get older, and I think I'm, I'm more happy with my thoughts and opinions <laughs> to remind myself that maybe I, I need to... Uh, Remain pliable, at least at least for a moment, to to be understanding. Um, um, now, kind of back to your 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 thought on the on the legalism, um, which is something else I was thinking about this whole, the, the thing about the Sabbath. So the the Pharisees, there's a couple different sects or, or different groups of uh, major groups in, in uh in, we call it Jewry, Jewishness at the time. Um, there were the Pharisees, right? These are the kind of the, the Levitical priests, and they had the, the synagogues, like the local houses of worship. And then you had the kind of the, the castes of priests that kind of go all the way back to Solomon's time, who were the temple. And that's the, kind of the, the seat of power in the Sadducees. Um, who really had a very different perspective on a lot of different laws. Um, an example I just read last night, the Sadducees would say, I'm going to get this wrong, going to make the, the details are not important here. Uh, the Sadducees on the menorah would say, uh, during uh, Passover, would say you have to light all the candles at first, and then you cut them down one by one over time. And the Pharisees, I think I actually have this backwards, would say, well, no, you can't go from more grace to less grace. You have to go you know, the other way. So you have to start with one and then add on. And there was a lot of little debates about the traditions and how you observe them. Um, and this is true. It's very actually rich in the, the pharisaical traditions. You had kind of two different scholars. You had the, the camp of Hillel and another camp of another guy. And they would always uh, uh, disagree on a lot of, a lot of points. Um, So disagreement in in Jewish culture, and actually the way Jesus engages with the Pharisees and say, you brood of vipers, that's a Jewish way of talking. That's a very, that's a, like, he's talking the language um, and and dealing with people in the language of of that generation. Um, And even when it comes to healing on the Sabbath, or or what Jesus points out is, I've lost the text, there it is. Um, You know, if you see a, Animal, what was the animal? A lamb. I was going to say a cow. I didn't have cows back there. It was a lamb that fell into a into a ditch. Who's not going to go down and fix it, or go down and save it? So the Essenes, who we don't really read about in the in the, the Bible, but people think they're kind of associated with the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were sort of the the real super zealots. They just wanted to like go off in the desert and live a mon- monastic life by themselves. Um, they would say you couldn't even do that. They'd actually have a different opinion on this whole on the whole lamb and the thing, but the Pharisees had debated this, and they said, "No, it's good. You would go down." That's actually something that is in the time of, 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 you know, uh, when Jesus was around. That this was actually you know something that wouldn't be something, would not be something unheard of to hear discussed. Um, and so, you know, and Jesus. And the Pharisees would all say, you know, no, you don't leave a lamb in a well. We've already discussed this with the, with the Essenes. we don't like anyways. Uh, so we actually have some ideas on this. And no, it's good to do good. And so Jesus is revealing an incoherence, an incompatibility with, you know, the way they, they approach the law and what the heart is. You know, is it okay to do good or evil on the Sabbath to save a life or destroy it? And he starts, you know, he... As he always does, he looks at the hard issue and he starts to address it. And then, as we said earlier, you know, they're just done talking. They didn't come there with a mind to understand. They came with a mind just to—they're looking for evidence, right? Looking for an evidence like a, like a prosecutor in in a you know in a case would. You know, they are just looking for stuff that's going to support their position because they at that point they've they've made up their mind. So. Okay, good. Sometimes I rambled a little too long. So, my my more thoughts part, um, actually, can we go to that next slide here? I think I have just like four or five different bullet points. Uh, did we get there? Okay, so I condensed all my thoughts into kind of five points here. And I had the last one because I just wanted to put it up there. I didn't have a good spot to put in there. I think it's. Because it was so personal,ly when I was doing personal to me when I did the meditation. I wanted to add it, but you know, Jesus was teaching. You know, that's what he did. On he went to the synagogue and he taught. He taught the people um, about God's kingdom, and we read elsewhere in the in the New Testament how Jesus taught. You know, sometimes he taught, like on the Sermon on the Mount, kind of an ethical like perspective, like this is what it looks like, and he taught in parables. He taught like in pictures and stories, so that people would get it, not only from the mind but also the heart. You know, so people would start to get it in a way that wasn't uh, frustrated by all this sort of legal arguments that the uh, that the Pharisees were so fond of of in, in, uh, introducing into things. And um, particularly, I think challenging, I think with his parabolic kind of style of teaching or is that just a math word uh his way of teaching in parables um you know he taught as having authority he would just say this is this is the heart of god this is what he's trying to teach you he didn't necessarily reach out and try to tie it in in the way that uh but it really was effective and he engaged you know uh, i just said he engaged the pharisees in in what god was doing and he you know as is kind of typical with Jesus, he kind of bests the Pharisees at their own, you know, because they're trying to go this way, and he just goes, kind of goes in a different direction that they think. Um, But we see that that didn't uh, work out. Um, And I think it's really important to note here that, you know, God's, Work in this moment here. Jesus was giving into people, and then here comes the enemy, working through these people to frustrate it. And sometimes that happens, right? We're doing, going about our business, and and something happens. And I remember my mom used to tell me, you know, you know, your sin can't affect other people, right? And and we certainly see the action, you know, frustrating, you know, it's. In within god 's plan, ultimately, but in that moment, you start to see the action of the enemy starting to frustrate the work of what God 's trying to do. Um, not to say that God's above that, because God certainly is, and God works through it, and we see that truly in, in the passage here because God works this towards his, own, uh, towards, his own, towards his own end, and Jesus engages with his discipline. I think I wanted to kind of look at Jesus' disciplines within this passage to kind of show how God kind of turns the situation to move his own purpose. So um, first thing I, said, I I mentioned is Jesus wasn't ever really controlled by fear. He operated out of love. And I think that's something good to remind ourselves. Sometimes I, I have a little bit of fear. I have a little bit of fear of preparation for, the, <laughs> for getting up here today. Uh, but he, you know, he operated out of love, and he operated within, the, the, you know, within his calling. 'Cause you know, every time we go do something, it's not always the same. Like I said, when I went to Seattle, I was rich. I had a I knew that I was supposed to go up there at this time. And it wasn't really for my mind and all this, you know, stuff that stuff's good. But it was really just to kind of be there for my family in a way that I'm not, you know, necessarily present. And so he just kinda of operated within the vehicle that that the Holy Spirit was guiding him down and saying, This is what you're this is what you're doing. And so there's a certain steadfastness that we see in Jesus. And he, um, you know, and he operated in discernment, uh, really understanding the motivations of the Pharisees and the, uh, the Herodians as they came, came there. You know, I, I, think I wrote it down like, You know, if I were talking to you and I saw a bunch of people like snickering in the back and like looking at me, it wouldn't be that difficult to discern that. You know, as I was thinking about it in my head. I was like, (laughs) you guys, you know, wear their outfits and, you know, bangles and stuff that they got, you know. But, you know, in that moment, he knew not only, you know, know, the guys that were there to make trouble, he could see in their heart that, you know, they are purposing to move this in a place that's not going to go well. And uh, he didn't step aside from that, and he engaged them. You know, he, you know, sometimes the right thing to do is just to kind of ignore the noise and stay focused, but sometimes the right thing to do, and the Holy Spirit will lead him and say, you know, let's deal with this heart issue. Let's deal with this and turn it into a teaching moment. And let me reveal God's uh, wonder in, in all this. Um, and then... Lastly, and I think this is probably what first caught my attention and it maybe got is that um, you know, Jesus got angry. There's not that many times where you see Jesus is, Jesus getting angry. And uh uh and he, you know, he talks about, you know, be angry and don't be, you know, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and and a lot of but I haven't really seen him get angry. And there's not many times when we see him, you know, uh that part of his emotion uh, uh, light up. I thought that was interesting because to me, as I said, anger is kind of like my favorite emotion. Not, not quite true, but it's one as a kid. I, I certainly, you're getting pumped up for a game or something. Um, you know, ang- it engages. Um, but I thought, you know, more about it, It's like, well, wh- what are some different types of anger? There is what I call, have you ever been hungry and angry? We have a name for that, right? Hangry. He's kind of off-put, tired and angry. I don't know if there's a good name for that one. It's called tired tired and grumpy. Um, but there's rage, right? That's the response he gets. Kind of, you know, this a rage, and rage isn't really controlled. It's kind of like uncontrolled anger. And then what Jesus felt was sad and angry, or anger and sorrow. And I thought about times in my life when I've been sad and angry. Um, you want to have... Uh, I I won't ask you all for a story on that one. It'd be a sad, possibly angry story. Um, But you know, in relationship, I thought this is a good example of like where where we I think we've probably touched this at some degree in our lives. You know, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship, and it gets beset by disappointment or trust is broken, and you start to see that relationship's dying and you know it's kind of like grief it's like the stage of grief is that anger and sadness as you start to realize that it's kind of out of my hands you know I've done what I can and I'm angry about the situation because it's not supposed to go this way and there's you know there's I think there's I don't know I just kind of when I was reading it, I was like you know I think that's kind of that sorrow and anger he's having he's He's seen this break in relationship kind of unfold. And sometimes it unfolds quickly, but a lot of times it unfolds slowly. And, and it unfolds into this rage that, that the uh, Pharisees have, and they start to plot against him. And so I think there's a real, I don't know, it's just kind of a sadness in there, always, you know, and, and, and a point of, you know point of departure where i really get to see the humanity in jesus kind of participating with his divine nature because on the on the divine side you know jesus is marching down and revealing the kingdom of god and kind of clashing uh in, into this world right now and then you know on his heart side he's just going I'm so broken i'm so sad and angry and what what can i do about that um and what he does do about that is he turns back to what he's called to do. He's like, well, come up here. The guy just called, you know, 20 minutes ago that as we've had the standoff with these Pharisees, reach out your hand and let's reveal the kingdom of God at work. Um, and, you know, he wrote down kingdoms in conflict because, I don't know, I think uh, a couple of years ago I started thinking about, I grew up in the, the vineyard church. Um, my uncle was a big pastor here. Not this church, but help start it up. Um, and uh I was trying to understand the, the vineyard kingdom theology stuff and and understand, you know, you know, that f- what what Jesus was doing. And in, in doing that, I started reading the old testament and understanding like what the messianic hope was for Jesus and what the hope was in at the time of first temp uh second temple Jerusalem. Is it called Second Temple Jerusalem? I don't know. The time when Jesus was around, um, you know, there's this hope to have a kingdom on earth come and challenge Rome. And Jesus comes in, and he's like, "No, that's not the kingdom I'm talking about. God is here, ready to move in you and change you from the inside out." And, you know, what God is doing for you and in the internal life that I want to give you, he's saying, is, you know, expressed in the way I'm changing your heart, but also the way I'm changing the world. Watch. Healings. You know, people, the blind people are he- seeing, you know, people are being freed, you know, from possession and, and, and heartache and all these things. You know, you know, I, I was going through the, uh, the New Testament of the different types of miracles, like, man, this is like all the sort of things I used to dream of as a kid, you know, people being teleported and walking on water and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, this is God showing, like, this is what it looks like when there's harmony between God and his creation. And that's what Jesus is, is delivering. And, and I think that frustration, that is the frustration, I think, that is leading, you know, that's kind of the relationship that's being broken when I think about that sorrow and sadness is Jesus is seeing this this sort of break, and it really just kind of kind of breaks me. Um, but Jesus doesn't turn away from his mission. He says, you know, God's life is still breaking through, and I'm going to push on through it. And so the guy, you know, he gets healed. And, and the last thing I was just going to mention, that poor guy with the messed up hand, you know, he was probably born with like a, a deformed hand or something, I think if I... If I understand the text well enough, which means that Randy emailed me and told me that. <laughs> I actually didn't do anything. But, uh, uh, you know, he had like, it wasn't just like his hand didn't move, it was like a messed up hand. You know, so it's a visible demonstration that God's might was there. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they're all like, you know, you cast out demons by the power of, you know, the devil or whatever, you know. And, you know, they, how are they supposed to de- deny that kind of miraculous? Healing. There's a couple of times where I've been in uh, like big vineyard conferences and stuff, and I've seen some pretty serious healings uh, happen. And it's weird and beyond me, and it's just amazing that you get that break because the heart issue was already broken, we, and that's what Jesus was kind of addressing. So, um, but when I when I put myself in that situation, I find myself where that paralyzed guy was because it just seems that so much. Such a bigger story and was such a small part of it sometimes. But then I thought about it more and I was like, you know what? That story is happening because of people like me. You know, Jesus came down to save the lost sheep. You know, that insignificance that I think maybe that guy felt as this whole thing's going around him, right? You know, things are going down. You know, Is you know, in some ways, he you know he represents the whole reason why this is all going down. Is is, you know Jesus is reaching down, and God is reaching down to humanity to bring him back to himself. And you know, I want to just kind of end on that thought because I think sometimes we kind of feel thrashed by this by the uh, circumstances around us. Or something I do um, when things are a little bit out of control. And I felt very comforting. I've never really felt comforted that comforted in terms of like. You know, when I think the, the forces around me are maybe more important, more cosmically or, or, you know, historically important, right? But still, you know, we're all called. And Jesus has that care for each one of us. That's why he died on the cross. So um, that's all I have prepared for you all. Um, and on that note, I think maybe I'll invite the, the prairie people, the prayer warriors, and those people who want to have prayer. I think there's a good time for us to kind of slow down and listen and see if there's a reason why, where I'm feeling challenged, where my heart needs is already softened, and maybe I need God to reach in there a little bit more and, and bring some healing. Because I think I know that he has that uh, available for us today. So... I'll just uh, end with a quick prayer. Lord, I thank you for giving us your love and giving us your time, Lord, with us when you came down on earth and, and met with us in a way that uh, is really um, magnificent and I think beyond imagination. Um, but you did it. And I, I thank you for that. I mean, thank you that you've kept your promise to us for these, you know, years and years, uh, that you've always been true to us, Lord, even when we are weak. In your pain, amen.